Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks very much for joining us. We begin with breaking developments in the coronavirus outbreak, including new cases here in BC and an urgent appeal from health experts. BC now reporting four new cases today, including a man in his 50s who recently returned from Iran. World Health Organization reporting nearly 92,000 cases worldwide with more than 3,100 deaths. And Canada now asking travelers from Iran to self-isolate for 14 days. The U.S. Federal Reserve cutting rates today to offset the impact of coronavirus. And tonight there are concerns the B.C. economy could take a serious hit as people follow the precautions health officials are suggesting to limit transmission. We'll have that story in just a moment. But first, Aaron MacArthur runs down the latest COVID-19 developments here in B.C. and around the world. Three more deaths in Washington state. A cluster of 27 cases now. Seven new ones identified Tuesday. The situation serious enough for the mayor of Seattle to declare a civil emergency. In B.C., in rapid succession, four new cases identified Tuesday, at least three directly linked with people from Iran. When we uh, announced about a week ago uh, case six, which was linked to travel to Iran, Dr. Henry uh, talked about that being a sentinel case, and clearly it has been. The concern heading into March break is higher rates of transmission. The Canadian Border Services Agency says there are no new screening procedures in place at land crossings from Washington. BC's medical health officer asking people traveling from Iran to self-isolate for 14 days, but says there are no plans to impose travel bans on anyone arriving from hotspots. Those don't work. What works is awareness, understanding, asking people to, to do the right thing, and we find that people, for the most part, do. Worldwide, it is becoming clear the number of new cases is growing outside of China. Iran and South Korea reporting more than 800 new cases each. Italy with 27 new deaths Tuesday. The WHO says COVID-19, less infectious than the seasonal flu, much harder to catch, but the results can be deadly. It is a new virus to which no one has immunity. That means more people are susceptible to infection and some will suffer severe disease. Despite the risks, the IOC making it clear today there are no plans to cancel the Summer Olympics in Tokyo. The Games will go ahead, we're confident they will go ahead and we're confident they will start on the 24th of July. Canada now has 33 cases of COVID-19, all of them travellers from other countries, predominantly Iran at this point. BC, one of the first jurisdictions to recognize Iran as a potential source of infection. Uh, they were all separate. Um, we've not uh, known that any of them have been on the same day or the same flights. While the number of total cases is still climbing, the number of recovered cases is growing as quickly. Out of more than 90,000 total cases worldwide, 48,000 have recovered. The highest risk? 
remains for people with underlying health issues. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Now, if you're wondering how COVID-19 mortality compares with the flu globally, approximately 3.4% of reported COVID-19 cases have died. By comparison, seasonal flu generally kills fewer than 0.1% of those affected. The WHO is making an urgent plea for medical gear, calling for supplies to be increased by 40% globally. It estimates each month 89 million medical masks and 76 million examination gloves will be needed for testing. Well, the message from healthcare officials is simple. If you are sick, stay home. But following those instructions could have a major impact on the financial health of many businesses, as well as their workers. Brad McLeod reports. Could you survive financially if you were quarantined for two weeks? It could be devastating. I fully understand how some people couldn't do it. I don't think I could survive. We now have a dozen confirmed cases province-wide, and going without pay for a stretch should be a consideration. At least two businesses have shuttered for short periods. A week ago, this coast capital in Saanich closed for three days when someone working nearby was thought to have been exposed to the virus. And this huge construction site in Burnaby shut down Friday after fears a sick employee had the coronavirus. Work was halted over the weekend. In both cases, there was no COVID-19 confirmed and employers weren't asked by health authorities, but closed out of caution. There is no question that it's going to have an impact on British Columbia. It's just too early to quantify what that is yet. The CDC making a plea to employers. Thinking about the things that you can do in your business now to try and prevent the transmission of this type of infection. So having things like hand hygiene products available, talking to um, the people in your place of employment about staying home if they're sick. But what about people who are part-time, self-employed, when not working means no money? The Labour Ministry is not working on any plan to compensate people if they stay home, leaving many who are employed exposed. There isn't any basic protection for this kind of leave in the Employment Standards Act and that's something uh, that's obviously something that, that a government could consider in the future. The government's plan so far relying on the good graces of employers if you have one. We're asking obviously employers to be thoughtful about that and I think most employers would be because most employers I think would want an employee who's sick uh, in these circumstances that uh, they'd want them to stay home. The CDC also asking for compassion from bosses. But the overriding importance right now is not transmitting these infections in our communities. Brad McLeod, Global News, Victoria. The threat of COVID-19 has many parents concerned about spring break vacation starting in just a couple of weeks. And the Surrey School District announcing late this afternoon it's cancelling all school trips to Italy, Japan and France. BC's top doctor says travel within Canada and North America is still safe. But if you are high risk, Dr. Bonnie Henry is advising you to avoid unnecessary travel. Henry cautions against traveling to epidemic hot zones like China, Iran and northern Italy. Travel expert Claire Newell says if you are planning a trip, it would be wise to purchase travel insurance if you can with a special umbrella clause. 
So it's that cancel for any reason. And I keep coming back to that, but it's so important to make sure that that's the type of coverage that you have included in your policy. We've recommended that people postpone or cancel trips to areas that have been affected and to be very aware that this is changing rapidly. And we're seeing that in the last couple of weeks. There's been many other countries that have been identified. And I think schools are looking at that risk assessment. Dr. Henry says the health ministry is currently in talks with a number of school boards and we could see more school trips cancelled. Now moving on to other news, New Westminster police have released security video that shows missing woman Nurla Sharma the morning of her disappearance. The video recorded in the Queensboro landing area shows Sharma walking alone at 3.27 a.m. last Monday, February 24th. Her children were the last to see her the night before when she went to bed around 9 p.m. And a family member reported hearing the door open several hours later at around 4 a.m. She's walking alone at this point, and we've reviewed a lot of other footage from the area. And so at this point, it continues to be a missing persons investigation. We're concerned for her safety, and as time goes on, we're more and more uh, worried about her well-being. Police are asking for anyone who might have seen Sharma that morning or who has dash cam footage from the Queensboro Bridge and surrounding area to contact them. The retrial of Jamie Bacon got underway today. He has pleaded not guilty to counseling another person to commit murder. Grace Key was in court. Jamie Bacon entered a not guilty plea to counseling another person to commit murder. Now, the person he counseled can only be identified as CD because of a publication ban. Bacon is accused of planning out a shooting that took place on New Year's Eve of 2008 in Mission. The target was Dennis Karbovanik. CD and another man identified only as AB will be key witnesses in this case. The men were all involved in the drug trade. CD is expected to testify that he he agreed to the shooting because he owed Bacon money. It was a botched killing and Karbovanik survived even though he was hit twice. CD is expected to testify that he fired about 10 shots, but the gun jammed and he had to clear it. Other witnesses include nearby residents who heard bangs and saw vehicles leaving and Mission Memorial Hospital staff who treated Karbovanik. Now this is a jury trial and it's expected to last three months. In Vancouver, Grace Key, Global News. A 57-year-old man affiliated with Scouts Canada is facing child pornography charges. Edward Johannes Van Dyke has been charged with accessing, possessing and distributing child pornography. The investigation began in late September of last year. The charges were sworn against him in late February. Surrey RCMP say Van Dyke was in a position of trust and that he'd been in direct contact with children in the community as a result of his connection to Scouts Canada. A Vancouver couple has been arrested in Melbourne, Australia, allegedly in the possession of a large haul of drugs. Australian police releasing these images of their luggage, which were holding 16 kilograms of methamphetamine. The 27-year-old man and 26-year-old woman have not been named, but they are facing multiple drug trafficking charges. And if found guilty, they could spend life in prison. The Independent Investigation Office has been called in after a man was hurt during a police takedown last night. Chilliwack RCMP and Abbotsford Police were trying to arrest a property crime suspect when the man ran into an apartment building. Police tracked the man to a third-story bal balcony 
where a police dog was used. The man allegedly assaulted the dog and police responded with a non-lethal weapon. The suspect then jumped from the balcony. He was taken to hospital with non-life-threatening injuries. The IIO is investigating if police actions are linked to the man's injuries. And the IIO also called in after an early morning police takedown on Main Street in Vancouver. It started just after 2 a.m. Police were investigating what they call a suspicious vehicle in the area of 39th and Camby, possibly related to a string of break and enters in the area. When officers tried to pull that car over, the driver took off. The car crashed into a number of police cruisers before coming to a stop near Main and 50th. None of the officers was hurt, and the suspect, a 38-year-old Vancouver man, was taken to hospital with minor injuries. He's expected to be charged with dangerous driving and possession of stolen property. Right now, though, the NDP government has taken another step toward a possible rapid transit link to the North Shore with a new report that shortlists six options, including a tunnel. But as Richard Zussman reports, the third crossing could get caught up in the gridlock of other Metro Vancouver transit projects. It's a public transit reality for many on the North Shore. A daily cruise on the sea bus, but commuters are one step closer to something new. An extremely exciting strong look at a rapid transit solution for the North Shore, and it's been a long time coming. The government now shortlisting six options, including tunnel and bridge options for that fixed rapid transit link to North Vancouver. Three options use the Iron Workers Memorial Second Narrows, three use Lonsdale. Just another step in a massive push for Metro Vancouver Transit. We as a government are investing record amounts in transit. But this project adding to what is looking like a transit traffic jam, including many projects that have little or no money promised. There's the SkyTrain line to UBC, the link to the North Shore, a gondola at SFU, the Massey Tunnel replacement, SkyTrain from Surrey to Langley, then extending that transit from Langley to the Fraser Valley. All of a sudden, transit uh, expenditure is in vogue, um, and then it's out of vogue. And it, you get this uh, gold rush mentality. These projects will cost billions of dollars from the feds, province and municipalities. And it's not just about the bill. There are still lots of questions about timing. The third span across will be done within the next 10 years. No, the third span across we are in, we are in initial exploratory phase. They hear all these projects, but what, what's realistic for timing? What's realistic for timing is to doing these projects uh, in a very thoughtful way. North Shore Liberal MLA Jane Thornthwaite says the NDP are over-promising and need to be clear on when these projects will be built. No details to uh, tell us uh, how much that's going to cost, when it's going to happen, uh, nothing. So we're still kind of waiting. A very real chance North Shore residents could be waiting another decade. Or in CBUS commuter terms, another 2,400 trips. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. Well, a new survey has Premier John Horgan's approval rating down 10 points since December. Our Keith Baldry is live in Victoria with more on the potential factors at play here. Keith? <clears throat> yeah, again, bad news for John Horgan here. He's been riding pretty high in the polls on a personal popularity level, over 50% for some time. But Angus Reid's latest survey of 5,000 people uh, with a low margin of error, just two uh, points, shows that's been dropping. Here are the numbers. 46% is his approval rating. That's down 10 points from the rating in December. That's the biggest drop he's experienced since he became premier. A previous survey by Angus Reid just a couple of days ago also showed when it came to handling the, the blockades and the pipelines and the protests, 
protests and everything. His approval rating is just 18 percent. His disapproval rating, Sophie, is an alarmingly high 65 percent. So the politicians' inability to deal with these ongoing protests and blockades and the paralysis that they've created has hurt politicians right across the country, Justin Trudeau, Jason mm -hmm. Kenney, but uh, John Horgan in particular. Downside for Mr. Horgan, not much he can do about it here. He's going to have to wait this thing out. We're now waiting in a two-week period for the Wet'suwet'en to decide how they're going to deal with that uh, framework agreement that was reached on the weekend and whether that has an impact on these blockades being taken down. But right now, not a good situation for the Premier. Mm -hmm. All right, thanks for that, Keith. The results of a recent commercial vehicle safety blitz in Burnaby show an alarming number of big trucks are simply not roadworthy. Over four days, nearly 300 vehicles underwent roadside checks, and as Catherine Urquhart reports, fully half were pulled off the road immediately. Commercial vehicles were the target, and over the course of four days, police from multiple agencies set up safety checks in Burnaby. The results, rather stunning. About half had to be taken off the road. Yes, it is a lot. There, there were, of course, truck, uh, trucks that we inspected that had nothing wrong. With that, there were still 50% of the trucks that we found we couldn't let go. 297 commercial vehicles were inspected. 147 of those vehicles failed. In total, 440 violations were discovered and 347 mechanical defects were found. One check revealed an adult using this child booster seat. That driver was handed a $598 ticket. Another trucker had dangerously compromised brakes. They found that over half its brakes were either non-functional or out of alignment. So its ability to stop was severely affected. With so many truckers failing to meet safety standards, should more be done? It's obviously concerning when you see a large number that uh, don't pass, but generally the trucking industry is professional, it's trying to build, build up a standard, and we're working with them through our Commercial Vehicle Safety Enforcement Branch. Commercial vehicle drivers will face more checks in the coming weeks as numerous police agencies continue their coordinated safety blitz. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. A trio of communities on the Sunshine Coast could get a name change and the majority of people who live there won't have a say in it. The Shishal First Nation is asking BC's Geographical Names Office to rename the communities of Wilson Creek, Saltry Bay and Madeira Park in their language. There's trouble in paradise, an undercurrent of tension in the otherwise tranquil waters of Pender Harbour and in particular Madeira Park. It's one of at least three places along the Sunshine Coast slated for a name change. Well, everybody knows this is Madeira Park. To change the name to Salalis, people are going to wonder where the, where the heck Salalis is. Here we've superimposed what a Ministry of Highways proposed change might look like. Madeira Park becomes Salalis, with Madeira still there, but in brackets. It's all part of BC's 98-page foundation agreement with the Shishal First Nation, aimed at reconciliation with the province. It's a decision that came forth 
without telling anybody. It's like this is kind of harmful to reconciliation instead of we're supposed to be talking and then coming to some kind of agreement. Locals point to a leaked memo from the Transportation Ministry. The province has since sent us an image showing about 20 dual language signs to be installed throughout the Sunshine Coast by the end of this month. Yet locals say this is the first they've heard about it. They, as I said, have the ability to uh, defer a decision if more uh, input is requested uh, or asked for by a regional government or a local government. These bilingual signs already exist throughout BC, but on the Sea to Sky Highway, for example, English is on top with First Nations below. It'll be the reverse on the Sunshine Coast. I don't like to see either language with parentheses around it or one bigger than the other. You don't get reconciliation that way. From those who we spoke to today, there doesn't appear to be a problem with the dual language signs per se. However, they have a very big problem with changing the names of communities and having any changes at all imposed on them without any dialogue. This should be good news. It should be positive. Ted Chinucky, Global News, Madeira Park. The tornado is coming. All right, Dan. There it is. Go. Inside. Go. At least 25 people are dead after a pair of tornadoes touched down near Nashville. Police say dozens of buildings have collapsed. The storm also damaging cars, bringing down trees and knocking out power to tens of thousands. The storms came seemingly out of nowhere, one of them even hitting downtown Nashville. Tonight, the state is reeling from that death toll with concerns it could get worse. The storm strike fast and in the dark of night. There was no stopping that. That was just came out of the sky. Multiple twisters ripping across Tennessee. One tornado cutting a 10-mile path across Nashville. Power lines down, like I was saying. That building's crushed. First light provides a clear picture of the devastation, but the splintered wood and twisted metal scattered across Middle Tennessee doesn't reveal the biggest loss here. It is heartbreaking. We have had um, loss of life all across the state. More than two dozen are dead, and there's concern as teams work through the rubble. That number could grow. There are missing people. There are, there are still people that are unaccounted for, um, particularly in Putnam County, and search and rescue continues there. While survivors begin what will be a long and difficult recovery. President Trump promising help from the federal government. FEMA is already on the ground, and I'll be going there on Friday, our hearts are full of sorrow for the lives that were lost. It's a vicious thing, those tornadoes. The wrath of the violent storms evident across Tennessee right now. Jay Gray, NBC News. Rescue crews in southern Brazil are looking for survivors and more victims after deadly landslides there killed at least 17 people. Dozens more are missing after heavy rain triggered the slides. Searchers are passing buckets hand-to-hand along human chains. Firefighters labor under tough conditions as they mourn one of their own who was killed. More than half the average rainfall for a normal month has fallen on the region in just the past few days. More than 5,000 people have been forced from their homes. A new brush fire in Southern California has triggered mandatory evacuations in an L.A. suburb. The fire only covers about a half square kilometer, but is uncontained and is burning near homes. Strong winds and above average temperatures are contributing to the fire, so officials have evacuated a number of residents. The area includes several hundred homes in a region known for its equestrian trails and properties. 
In Australia, residents of New South Wales are celebrating a day they thought they might never see. After 240 days, for the first time since early July of last year, their region is officially free of brush fires. Firefighters, helped by rainfall, have now extinguished all of the fires. Those fires left at least 28 people dead, about 3,000 homes destroyed, and as many as a billion animals affected. Former U.S. Vice President Joe Biden is off to a flying start in the Super Tuesday Democratic presidential primaries. Biden has already notched wins in four states in his battle against Bernie Sanders, Michael Bloomberg and Elizabeth Warren. Super Tuesday now, a crucial clash between progressive frontrunner Bernie Sanders and the moderate Democrats trying to stop him. Sanders today casting his vote in Vermont, looking to pull away from the field tonight. If we're going to defeat Donald Trump, our campaign is the campaign to do that. We need energy, we need excitement. I think our campaign is that. But many establishment Democrats now rallying around Joe Biden. Biden is looking for a boost after his South Carolina blowout win and dramatic last-minute endorsements from former rival Pete Buttigieg. I'm delighted to endorse and support Joe Biden for president. Also, Beto O'Rourke and Amy Klobuchar. If you are tired of the extremes, you have a home with me. And I think you know you have a home with Joe Biden. Sanders aiming to capitalize on the wave of Biden endorsements. It's not just the corporate establishment that's getting nervous. The political establishment is getting nervous. There are 15 contests tonight, more than 1,300 delegates up for grabs. States like Texas and North Carolina. The largest prize, California, where Sanders is expected to do well. I voted for Bernie Sanders. I voted for Elizabeth Warren. I'm deciding to vote for Joe Biden based on the momentum that he has. And the X factor. It's the first time Michael Bloomberg will appear on the ballot. Today, telling NBC's Gabe Gutierrez he won't join other moderates clearing the field for Biden to take on Sanders. Why not coalesce around Biden? Why doesn't they coalesce around me? While Elizabeth Warren is facing a possible do-or-die test, can she win her home state of Massachusetts? In Health Matters tonight, a recall of tuna products sold in B.C. is being expanded. The expanded list includes frozen and previously frozen ahi tuna steaks that were sold in various choices markets, IGA and Save-On Foods throughout B.C. Those products have shown high histamine levels, typically found in spoiled fish, which can cause an allergic-type reaction known as scombroid poisoning. Symptoms include burning throat, facial swelling, vomiting, and headaches. If you have those tuna steaks, throw them out. In other health news tonight, the NDP government is following through on its budget promise to legislate paid leave for victims of domestic or sexual violence. The new legislation will require employees to allow victims to take up to five non-consecutive days of paid leave and five non-consecutive days of unpaid leave. Legislation passed last year also allows an additional 15 unpaid weeks. And this bill means that people who might not have reached out for help before because they could not afford to take time off work, they will now have choices to be able to take actions for their security, their safety and their recovery. Currently, B.C. and Alberta are the only two Canadian provinces that don't require employers to offer paid leave for employees facing domestic or sexual violence.
You're watching Global News Hour at 6. A very close call for a trucker in New Jersey. The rescue caught on body cam right after the forecast with Christy Gordon. All right, Christy is here now with a look at that forecast mm -hmm. after what's been a pretty dreary day. Christy? Yes, and so was our winter. So we officially finished off our meteorological winter, and that's where we just have look at December, January, and February. So I thought I would tally it. Uh, December was pretty tough. We had near average precipitation, so that includes both snowfall and rainfall, although we didn't have any snow in December, but we certainly did in January. Look at the amount of precipitation. 256, well above the uh, normal amount that we would see in January. And then February, we saved ourselves a little bit, not too bad, but not significantly drier. But anyways, when we tally everything up, we were certainly well above average at 118% what we would typically see through that time period. So it has been a tough winter, although winter isn't officially over. Uh, but uh, January certainly was uh, made it pretty tough. Now, we're a bit back and forth, but we have stuff to look forward to. We change our clocks this weekend. That does mean we lose an hour of sleep. Yes, you have to move your clocks forward. But the good news is, everyone, our sunset right now is at 5.59, and in one week's time, it'll be at 7.10, feeling like the days be much longer. And then we officially change over to spring on the 19th. So in three weeks' time, our sunset will be at 7.30. It will be officially spring. So lots to look forward to, especially tomorrow, everyone. So the rainfall we're seeing right now will ease off overnight. We've got a pretty nice day in store for most areas. It's not until tomorrow evening does the next wave of rainfall push onshore, and it is going to be wet through our Thursday also. So this is our Wednesday. It's mainly the north coast that will be wet. Inland regions, for the most part, sunshine. And that's across the south, too. Although a few showers or flurries in the Columbia and Kootenai region, but not a lot at all. For our region, sunshine tomorrow. So enjoy that. You'll need your sunglasses. Highs of 9 to 11 degrees. When on Thursday, a bit more sunshine on Friday. Still a chance of showers, but a nice little break before we sort of split our weekend in half so far. And I'll leave you with our weather windows. Central window weather window from Chilliwack this morning. There was actually a double rainbow there. So thank you to Philip for sharing that. Wow, with us. that's crystal clear. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Christy. All right, now back to that dramatic video out of New Jersey from the scene of a fiery crash. The whole thing was recorded on a New Jersey state trooper's body cam. Trooper Robert Tarleton was at a nearby traffic stop when he saw the semi run off the road and strike a guardrail. He rushed the scene, joined by another officer who was driving by and saw the accident. Both men pulled the driver of the truck to safety just before it exploded. The driver only suffered minor injuries. The cause of the crash is under investigation. Way to go. Fast moving, fast thinking. That, mm -hmm. We could describe Squire Barnes that way, and he joins us now with sports. Are you fast moving? Yes, yes I am, actually. Yeah. I'm very quick. I am, I am fast sneaky moving. Quick. I, am, I am sneaky quick, exactly. Purple? Purple? Yeah. Purple? Oh, oh, what did I do wrong today? One of these things is not <laughs> like the other. Okay. Squire Barnes is here. So the non-purple person's no longer with us. Did we That's kick right, her off no. the No, this is her. She's, she's changing. She's changing, hopefully. Uh, come on. Be a joiner. Be a team member. Um, all right. So bad injury number one for the Vancouver Canucks, of course, is, was Jacob Markstrom, the team's MVP. He's hurt, and we know it's hurt the team. And we don't know still how long he'll be out for. They said they would reassess in two weeks, and that'll be next week when they'll give an update on his prognosis. Bad injury number two, of course, would be losing Quinn Hughes. And today, Quinn Hughes skated on his own because he, quote unquote, is banged up. 
So was Tyler Myers, for that matter. Quinn Hughes, though, did skate. You could watch this guy skate all day. This is like Elvis Stoiko with a hockey stick. This guy is such a beautiful skater, but we don't know what it is that's bothering him, but he is considered day-to-day, -day, so maybe he'll miss tomorrow's game, but the Canucks really can't afford to lose this guy for any length of time either. All right, so as we all know, things did not go so well on this recent road trip for the Canucks. They did beat Montreal in the opening game. They had to rally, though, from a 2-0 deficit to win that game. And when they went into Montreal and won, their playoff statistics or their playoff chances percentage-wise was at 96%. They've now dropped to 83, which is still a good percentage, but this recent road trip has put fears in Canucks Nation that the chances of making the playoffs might keep going down. I will say this, though. The Canucks schedule from here on out is not easy. Only four, I think, of their last 17 games are against teams you can consider out of the playoffs. So everyone they'll play will be pretty much just as desperate as they are, starting with Arizona. And as we talked about last night, everything from that recent road trip has to improve, most notably goaltending. Kenstrom at room, he shoots, he scores! Can you believe this? Um, it can't happen at this time of the year. It's, it's, it is. It's unacceptable. Um, like I said, you, but you can't. You can't dwell on it right now. Um, you got to take the good um, out of that game and move on and and uh, be ready to go here tomorrow night. We're so positive. Like in the, we're in the in the race. Uh, we're still in the, like we got a lot of stuff to be positive about. It's tough to find the positives for Travis Green's Canucks right now. They've lost three straight, have just two wins in their last seven, and now find themselves in wildcard territory after a disappointing and less than productive road trip. How much more difficult do you anticipate it getting in the next three weeks? Uh, it's going to be hard. Uh, I think we should expect every team's best this time of year. Um, you know, if it's not pushing for the playoffs, it's, you know, jockeying for position. It's guys getting a chance to play this time of year. Maybe their team's out of it. Um, everybody's going to be working hard for their own reasons, and uh, we should expect you know, to get everybody's best. So, I mean, we got to bring ours, and it's simple, really. Up here's Connor Brown moving in with a wrist shot, scores! What isn't simple is life without Jacob Markstrom. This isn't to dump all over Thatcher Demko, but he hasn't provided the same level of net mining the Canucks were receiving prior to Markstrom's injury. Average goaltending will not get it done for the Canucks right now. Not with the Oilers, Flames, Golden Knights, Jets, and Coyotes all eyeing up playoff spots. How different is it for you right now to be the guy mm -hmm. and have that level of pressure versus just coming in every third or fourth game? Yeah, it's not too different. Um, you know, at the end of the day, it's still the same game. Uh, whether, you know, I played two weeks ago and, and get a starter, if I played, you know, yesterday and, and I'm playing today, still, you know, waking up in, you know, same, same routine and, and things like that. So I'm um, just trusting it. And, and like I said, I think it's important for me to, to have fun with it. We, we preach about that all year long, habits and traits. Um, that eventually become the culture of your group. And at this time of the year, you got to lean on those. Uh, but, you know, we're also not going to overthink it. Uh, love playing the game. Get ready to play the next one. Play your ass off and uh, play good. So James Neal is back in the Oilers lineup. Of course, Edmonton had that huge win last night over Nashville when Leon Dreisaitl had four goals. This is not a goal for James Neal, but Ryan Nugent Hopkins has scored. So it's one nothing Edmonton over Dallas. At last check, Winnipeg was leading Buffalo by the score of 3-1. to one. Those are all teams that are either ahead of the Canucks or chasing them. Uh, the NHL is really tired of seeing goals called back for offside, so they want to change things. And if a guy's skate is in the air, 
over the blue line but not beyond the blue line, then he will no longer be offside. This season, 14 goals have been called back because one skate was in the air over the blue line rather than touching the ice. Now, this change would not be put into place until next season. So for this year, keep your skates on the ice when trying to stay onside. All right. I want to tell you the story now of Thomas Lee, known to every basketball player at Jackson State University, in fact, known to everybody at Jackson State University by his nickname, Snacks. He is the team manager of Jackson State's basketball team. He got his nickname because he brings Skittles and candy for the players and himself. And during a recent game, the coach told the players before, if you love Snacks, if you really love him, then play hard, get a big enough lead, and I'll put him in the game. And that's what happened. And because of that, Snacks Lee is now, I would say, a temporary celebrity. Here we go. There's Snacks. Put him in. Yeah, Snacks. Three shots. Actually, he took four three-pointers, I believe. Didn't make any until this one from Steph Curry range. Nothing but net. And the crowd goes wild. He actually got a tweet and a shout-out from Kevin Durant. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. At the, Feasting uh, on threes. At the Briar, where do I have it down? Yeah, BC not doing so well. One and four. Alberta, the only unbeaten team right now at six and zero. There you go. All right. Thanks, Squire. You're welcome. Thanks, Squire. Here's your snow report for this evening. Whistler Blackcomb picked up just one centimeter. Grouse 7, Cypress 12, Sasquatch 8, Manning Park 14, Revelstoke 2, Fernie nothing new, but Kicking Horse picked up 6, Big White 8, Silver Star 3, Sun Peaks 3, Apex 2, Mount Washington 1, Whitewater 3, same for Red Mountain, and Powder King is the winner today at 17. Coming up on ET Canada, Harry Styles mugged in London. What happened and how did he escape? Plus, Prince Harry reunites with his grandmother, the Queen. What happened during their four-hour meeting? That's coming up at 7 right after the news hour. Back to you, Chris and Sophie. Thank you, Carlos. All right, after 35 years, one of Vancouver's most celebrated restaurants is closing its doors for good. Kitsilano's Bishops is credited with being an early champion of the farm-to-table food movement. Proprietor chef John Bishop shared some of his favorite memories in a bittersweet interview with our Linda Aylesworth. For 35 years, this is how restaurateur John Bishop's day has begun. Morning, chef. Morning, John. Beautiful. Oh, beautiful. Wow, Fraser Valley Duck. His cozy Kitsilino-based restaurant, Bishop's, is famous for fresh local West Coast cuisine. In fact, he's been credited with changing the way Vancouverites eat. I think there would be a lot of French and Italian places only if there wasn't for John, because local seasonality. Before John, no one was really doing it. When I first came to Canada, I was just taken with the, the abundance, the bounty, and, and how different it was from growing up in, in Wales. It was in Wales, at a very young age, that John started cooking for his family. I would make, say, a souffle omelette, but I'd have to show it to my little neighbor, my neighbors next door before they could eat it. I suppose I was very proud. He had found his life's passion. His mother's response when he told her he planned to make a career out of it? She said, well, you'll always be in the warm and you'll always have something to eat. He was a chef in the UK for a decade when a friend convinced him to come to Vancouver for a year. But after meeting his wife-to-be, he decided to stick around. 
Teresa, my wife and I would have dinner on a Sunday night, for example, very often the conversation would turn around to, wouldn't this be a great dish to put on a restaurant menu, you know? And so in 1985, Bishop's was born. Since then, its reputation has grown, as has its clientele. One of the most iconic people we ever had was Julia Child, who came twice, actually. Humphrey Bogart's wife, uh, Lauren Bacall, she was here, had dinner by herself, and I sat with her. I'll never forget um, Liza Minnelli was sitting here with her manager, and it was late at night, and she'd had, you know, a few glasses of wine, and she burst out singing. Sadly, John Bishop has made the tough decision to close his beloved restaurant on August 1st, not because he wants to, but because he has to. It's just plain and simply difficult, uh, whether it's rents, uh, whether it's taxes. Um, it's just, it's, been, it's become really, really challenging. But don't be too sad. When I think of that little kid in Wales and, and now, um, what a gift I've been given, you know. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. What a gift he gave Vancouver. No doubt. Mm. And he looks pretty much the same as that little, <laughs> uh, as same little glass. Hasn't there. changed a bit. Hasn't changed a bit. Probably still makes a mean souffle. No <laughs> doubt. Good luck, John, in whatever you do next. It's Our, open until August 1st, though. Just mm. over Okay. Months. Excellent mm. clarification. Good. And uh, last word on weather before we go. Sure. A nice day uh, tomorrow, maybe to head to Bishop's and enjoy some of their Last dishes that they serve, but sunshine tomorrow, rain on Thursday, a bit of back and forth over the next little while. All right. Thanks, Christy. I'd like to see it. Thanks for watching, everybody. Have a great night. Good night, all.